listeners this is Brent Sutton welcome to season four and the 95th episode of the practice of learning teams podcast show on today's podcast I'm joined by Jeff Dalto, a workplace learning and performance improvement professional based in the Portland Oregon metropolitan area his interest in learning and development include learning organizations has led him to be interested in the new view of safety and he sees himself as a fellow traveler of sorts. He has curated a collection of books in the New View space. In 2021, many safety practitioners contributed to a guide called the New Safety Guide that was compiled and edited by Jeff. In 2022, Jeff pulled together another amazing band of contributors to create a follow-up called the Success Stories Guide. The 2021 New Safety Guide was intended to introduce people to what's sometimes called the new view of safety, including such things as human and organisational performance, safety differently, safety too, human performance improvement and resilience engineering. The 2022 Success Stories Guide was intended to provide an opportunity for people to tell real stories of real performance improvements they help implement at real workplaces. Why? Because storytelling is a great way to learn and because we can all draw inspiration and lessons from the stories of successes that others share. So please sit back and enjoy this multi-part series with myself and Jeff Dalto. I was just listening to a couple minutes of the hop nerd episode before we yeah. uh you and i jumped in and actually just kind of randomly jumped 15 minutes ahead and and bob edwards was talking about that very thing like how when they'll do a learning team uh, uh just this idea that is it okay to leave the cage and 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 the um and how people will respond and say is this how it's always going to be or is this like a, a one-time thing so it's so de- developing some kind of like confidence building mechanism and mechanism in which one can, in fact, tell that story um, with with yeah. an element of freedom. So we is, call is it bridging. Nice so we call it bridging over. So 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 the example was we had one organization, and and say they used the equivalent of Taproot or one of those types of investigation tools. Okay, um, and those types of tools they have lots of classifications that you use to generate questions. Okay, so. Um, so what we did is we, we took those classifications and we turned them into sorting categories for the stories being captured. Okay. So rather than using them as categories to generate questions, yeah. use them as categories to sort the narrative coming in from the learning team. Can you give me an example of that? So, so say, for instance, say, say um, one, of the, one of the products as say, says, but here, here are questions around people. Here are questions around the environment. Here are questions around um, plant. Here are questions around organizational. Okay. And here are a bank of questions. And if you ask all those questions, you'll get some really good insights. So that's completeness. 
So we follow gotcha. those. Okay. Gotcha. Versus we uh, get a bunch of workers together. Okay. We basically get them to talk about uh, what normal work looks like. Mm-hmm. And as we're capturing that normal work, we've got all those things. And then we get the workers to sort them into those categories. So which of those things are about people, which of those things are about the environment, which of those things are about this, you know, systems and process. That's an administrative task, but I think that's an additional, there's a learning benefit to that uh, of, of sitting and reflecting and classifying uh, those kind of things. Absolute. But, but rather than, so we want the organic nature of questioning. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not, not here's the list. You know, we start at question one and I go through the, clipboard and and I'll, I'll ask a question even though it's not relevant because if I don't ask that question I can't tick off that that question so it's, we call it the fear of completeness okay this is driven behavior um, but what was interesting is that and that's how they started and they really enjoyed it because that tethered them to something they'd always known but then we got them to start using the four D's as a method of generating conversations. Mm-hmm. And last week, the organization came back to me and said, can we swap out that sorting category for the four Ds? And I said, of course you can. Because if, if you guys are finding more meaning in doing that, that's exactly right. what the storyboard's about. The storyboard is not about having a fixed format. Right, right. It's about telling the story in a way that makes sense. So, right. for instance, um, there are many active discussions around the use of five whys or five hows. Yeah. And most of that relates back to how it's being used for root cause. Right. Okay? Which wasn't its original intention. It was about pulling back the layers of the onion to see what lies beneath. So we use the five whys in the storyboard for those at starting the journey to take things that have been identified as people issues and use the five whys to shift them over to system issues. So not to find the root cause, but to create that shift from people-centric to system-centric. Right. Um, The other classic one that we see um, is a timeline. You know, many investigation oh. models love a good time. Right, right, right. Okay. Right. And I agree with Todd. It's a reconstruction of hindsight. Okay. Doesn't show anything about decision making, just shows how we've reconstructed the event. Right. But some organizations say, you know, we want a timeline. So we looked at that and we come up with a slight alternative called a narrative ladder. Okay. What's that? So a timeline has a set of action blocks running from left to right. Yeah. To explain the linear, you know, yeah. of the event. The narrative ladder has the action blocks as a rung running from the bottom rung to the top rung. Okay. Okay. So we moved it from left to right, from bottom to top. But on the left side of that rung, we explain how the system was performing at that time. Okay. So we create narrative of the action block about how the system was performing. Oh, I see. And I see. on the right side of the action block, 
we have narrative about how the worker saw themselves in the system at that time. Mm -hmm. So, for example, the action block says the safety padlock wasn't fitted to the machine. Right. Okay. Because that, that's you know how it all went wrong. They didn't do this, didn't do that, all those sort of time things. But in the narrative ladder, the left side said that the supervisor that holds the padlock was on vacation for two weeks. And the person who took over those padlocks works in an area 10 minutes away from where the worker is. On the right side of the action block, the worker had never met the supervisor. The job only takes three minutes. <laughs> it was only half an hour before the shift ended. Yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's a good way to see systems influences and yeah. the worker, reaction, re so worker reactions to system influences. Making sense of it. But the organization was wedded to wanting to see those things. So did they, was that an acceptable uh, uh, oh, alternative? They loved it. But, okay, now they, but now they don't use it. Oh, well, how come? <laughs> because they've, they've realized that they were using a timeline to justify the corrective actions. Yeah. And once they realized that learning and improving are two different things. Oh, I, I get it. I get it. So they just skip. Yeah. They said yeah. it doesn't so they, they, they didn't need that anymore. timeline alternative. Didn't give them value yeah. anymore. But to tell them yeah. timelines are wrong would, would create heresy within them. Because yeah. you've got to understand that these organizations have made huge investment in these systems and processes. And being told it's wrong and you've got to throw it out is, is a big rub. But getting yeah, them there's... to see the value in an alternative, that's an opportunity. Right. There's some Todd quote about you can't tell someone that their baby is ugly. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. 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 That, uh, that's not a, a great way to start change together. Yeah. So, but the thing here is, but what they liked is they liked having a framework that was consistent, but could be adapted. Yeah. So that. Which is what the A3 is. What your A3 is. Yeah, yeah. And, and for our listeners, it goes back to the A3, going back to Deming, was because you could fit an A3 sheet of paper in a fax machine and you could fax that learning to other factories and share the learnings. Right, right. right. And, but it's and a nice I, way to... Yeah, I, I like an A3. It's quite a nice size. <laughs> well, it's digestible, right? Well, and, and you can use a font size that's big enough for old people like us to read. <laughs> I'm needing it bigger and bigger every year right now. That's, that's why Apple make bigger iPhones. Um, <laughs> I'm sure it is. I'm sure it yeah. is. But, but the leap of faith was getting organizations to move away from 30, 40, 50, 60 page reports yeah. down to a single page. I wonder how often this again is something I don't have insight into. I don't, I don't live in that world, but I wonder how often people would read a 30, 40, 50 page report. They don't. Yeah. 
Oh, it would have been my guess. We, we we normally ask the organization, we, we normally part of the thing is we talk to the senior leaders. And, and once again, there's a bit of trust involved. We normally say that when you get these things, which bits of it do you read? Okay. And there are three things that came out of it. One uh-huh. is if you're lucky, the exec summary. Okay. Two, Which is why you wrote the exec summary, because yep. you're assuming that's the only part anyone's going to read. Yep. But the one they mostly read are the corrective actions. Yeah. Okay. And Which then, I would include in the exec summary. And then the <laughs> and then the timeline to justify the executive summary. Oh. Sorry, okay. to justify the corrective actions. Yeah. Well, those are the three big ones, huh? Yeah. Yet in that report is all that rich narrative that you need to learn from. But no, it's the corrective actions. So there is this issue that we see that senior leaders feel that once they know something, they have this obligation to fix it. So they saw corrective actions as a justification for knowing and fixing. But when we started to talk to them in different language about knowing and better understanding, that then led to more of a learning approach rather than a fixing approach. So that made them curious about how do I learn? Right, right. So when we run a learning team, we separate the difference out between what workers learn, yeah, what the organization learns, what improvements workers make, and what improvements the organization makes. Right, right. Because they're actually quite different. Yeah, yeah. That's actually something I like in Bob's book too, is he, he talks about like the work of the workers the, the things the workers can do themselves, just get it done. Todd uh, yes. talks about that too in his books, actually. And if you think about it, that ties back in to high-performing teams. And Kaizen. A- abs- absolutely. Um, we just use the language of self-improving teams. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the organization needs to know how they've self-improved rather than why they self-improved. So we're trying to shift away from the why to the how. Yeah. Because the value is in the how, not in the why. Right. Because it's not their, yeah, that's not their weeds to run through. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. And, and what we're seeing at the moment, Jeff, is we're seeing this, and I'll use the word anecdotal evidence, <laughs> that by getting that work, those work teams to self-improve, it's actually building resilience amongst the work teams. Yeah, that makes sense. And and I think the point you're trying to make is how do we then get the system to listen and learn? Yeah, exactly. I think it's great for it to have individual localized improvements. Yeah. But I think those should be dis- distributed and dispersed. So I would I absolutely agree that this for the system to learn it has to be an intentional intervention. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's an interesting. Yeah, that, that's an interesting little nut to crack, I think. Yeah, well, uh, and, and once again, all, all we're doing is seeing how it plays out in real life. And because w- what I've seen with really good hop implementations or learning team implementations, that because the organization has tried to keep it as an intervention model or hold the reins, as we call it, they'll come to us at the start saying, oh, we're learning too much. And I'm saying, well, what do do you really mean? Well, what they're really saying is that they don't have enough resource to be learning everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And I'm saying, which again, you could never have enough resource, but it's not possible. Yeah. Which is maybe why, again, they don't need to know all the whys of what workers are doing. So that's where we talk to them about this concept of targeted learning. Oh, yeah. So by, by understanding those themes or patterns that are coming from those work teams and what they're doing, mm-hmm. seeing those themes or patterns, that's when you can target that learning. Yeah, that's system thinking, right? Um, yeah. Look, look further down the, uh, the iceberg. Absolutely. But, but what I suppose what we're talking about is that the iceberg above the waterline is organizational, organizationally led. Below the iceberg needs to be worker led. Mm, I always think of that, that visual metaphor differently, where at the top of the, the iceberg is just the stuff that's visible. It's just your like mm-hmm. incidents and stuff like that. And as you go further and further down, it's it's your patterns and your systems and your paradigms, and, and those are the things oftentimes that that uh, the lower stuff uh, are like in like in Danella Meadows' book. It's the lower level stuff. Maybe actually a worker can't fully influence on his or her own that the organization should be applying, and they're the stronger lever for actually making change once you've identified yep. these patterns and structures. Because the, because the worker can only see their chunk of the iceberg and what they do. Right, and they can help draw. They, that, that's why I think. That's why I think sharing the learning and dispersing it and distributing it, so yep. they can. This little thing here, oh, it's it's actually everywhere, and, and it's part of a, a system and a pattern and so on. Yes, but that mass under the water is changing. Oh yeah, sure, always. So, so if we can get those work groups under that waterline. getting the organization to listen to what they're sharing and by looking for those themes or patterns or those what um, Eric talks about, those weak signals. Yep, yep. Then those weak signals become the opportunity for organizational learning to occur. Organizational learning and organizational improvement. Agreed. Yeah. Because they, they're the ones that can affect that change down there. They can reshape the iceberg right. yeah, where exactly. the workers are having to make do with, with the bit of the iceberg that they've got. Exactly. The part of the iceberg they're on. Right. Yeah. Because workers by their nature um, will problem solve in their own domain. And they're really good at problem solving. Yeah, no, totally agree with all that. It, my, my concern is that when we ask people to report stuff, we're basically telling them you can't problem solve anymore because I've got to problem solve it for you. <laughs> I'm with you there. Yeah. So by, I find that frustrating at work myself. 
Yeah, well, okay, it's it's normal. So by having those self-improving teams, the value in the learning team is that the context is already present. Right. So the stories, the things that we seek out in a learning team are already present and known. Right, right. So we then have this greater depth that we can then use. To problem solve and... and yeah. Absolutely, because we're yeah. not we're not having to explore to the same detail because that stuff's already coming through from stories. Yeah, there's a richness well, that applies. You know that that's yeah. that's what we're experimenting with, and yeah, yeah, well, I I agree once as well, and, and empowering again, empowering workers, and again, I just think that's well above and be it's not exclusive to safety at all, and just one of the reasons I've always found the whole idea. The things that folks are talking about in New View that I yes. found uh, inspirational, and, and we're just finding the four Ds as an effective mechanism to start that conversation. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to seeing the new paper and, and the new book. You really have two things going on: uh, the new four Ds paper and the new A3 book. So I'm looking forward to seeing those. Yeah, well, the the A3 one will, will come in a bit later um, because. Um, once again, I think if I look at it, I agree with Eric, the best time to learn is every day. Yeah. Not with events. So we're creating priority about that first. Mm -hmm. um, and the A3 thing is really that that book is going to be a bit of a monologue <laughs> about the experiences of different organizations moving from their traditional investigation model to a learning team and how that A3 was not only powerful in sharing learnings, but was actually powerful in bridging people between these two worlds. Yeah, I'm really excited to see that part. Like I said, I, I that's one of the parts that's always fascinated me is the, the tell the story part. And, and adult ed, you know... <laughs> You can bridge diversity. You can bridge culture. You can bridge people who have learning difficulties. Mm -hmm. You can bridge all those things with the power of conversation. Right, right. Well, cool. And it's a school. It's a school you can build. That's the other thing that we're learning is that you know um, you don't have to build up an amazing repertoire to have a 4D conversation. Well, I think that's another thing that's really useful with Todd's original books and, and the, 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 your book and, and Bob's and Andy's book uh, as well is just telling people you can do it. You know, like I'm trying to kind of summarize some of the key points at a pretty superficial level and, and take kind of the methods from two books by Todd one book by you, your, your trio and one book yeah. by Bob and Andy and turn it in 10 to 15 pages and saying like, Hey, it doesn't have to be rocket science. People have been talking about it for a hundred years. I could think I can boil it down in 10, 10 to 15 pages, mm -hmm. give you some useful tips from some good sources. And then you can continue for the rest of your life, getting better and better at it. But I, I think part of it is just starting. It is, and it is to starting. your point. And yeah. I think, and I think people, uh, maybe more in the last couple of years have been saying like, I want to start this. I want to do it. And I do think learning teams is a, 
well, I, actually, I think walking around and observing normal work is the first way to do it personally. But um, but then secondly, I think learning teams is a great way to do it as well. And, yeah, and well, I'm so glad you talked about it, using it, learning teams for success. Oh, look, uh, uh, well, it, it's really where it needs to be. Um, and, and I think we were the first to really talk about it in the book about the three modes of learning teams, not just around, you know, events that it's about, you know, it's that everyday component. Um, and I feel, Jeff, that to to start people that journey, a self-guided facilitation is a powerful way to start them on that journey. What, what do you mean by self-guided facilitation? Um, that, that what we've been building is a technique where um, they follow a guided process. Training wheels. Training wheels. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. It's scary starting something on your own. Um, and and you, you, you can know you can depart from it and you, you can know you can let go of the training wheels when you need to. But, but a, a little primer or how-to or, or an assist, uh, in my field we call performance support, that, that, that makes it a little bit less scary and a little bit easier to take that first step. As long as, and the thing that we talk about, is that there is a reflection component to that. Because if people can't the reflect, they can't, they can't see their progression. That's where we learn. Reflection. And we, we, we released another book, which we haven't really promoted much, but we, we released the um, the operational learning journal for, for Hop and Learning Teams. Is so, that the, uh, I, I'm familiar with it. I haven't read it yet. Yeah, the, it's just a journal. It's just a, a thing that reinforces some core principles of Hop and Learning Teams. But mm-hmm. it's a journal. And it's a journal where people can record and write down their experiences and then um, connect them with others for some mentoring and some coaching. Because yeah. what we saw was that, um, and once again, none of it's rocket science, but we thought, why don't we give people this capacity to actually use a journal and can that help them? Yeah. Well, I think that's a great idea. Cause again, cause I think that's what learning is, is uh, doing and then reflecting. Yes, but as you know, it's finding time to do that. To do it, right. And Or setting aside time to do it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and so, the, so what we've done is the way we've built it is they're little five, 10-minute things. Which is helpful. Which is what people want because we're all time poor. Jeff, yeah. it has been wonderful connecting with you today. Um, keep up your amazing good work. You, although, right. you, although you think you're on the outside, you're on the inside. You just haven't realized it yet. <laughs> uh, i appreciate that i appreciate your stuff it's a pleasure to get a chance to talk to you and uh i look forward to those two new pieces and just keeping in touch in general man welcome to safety differently merchandise the premium sponsor for the practice of learning teams podcast show our curated lines of inspirational clothing, headwear, cups, stationery and more, at Safety Differently Merchandise, is befitting of your Safety Differently journey. I am Arthur Taylor, Chief Designer. I have spent decades on Savile Row, and honored to bring my talents, for all fine purveyors and devotees of. Hop. Learning Teams. Safety Differently. Safety 2. And the new view. Please visit the store, and purchase our fine goods at safetydifferentlymerch.com. And now, back to the show.